This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom, everyone, and welcome back to Asha Torah, the Essentials program here in the old city of Jerusalem. Today's session will be uh, about the afterlife. Baruch the, it's a it's a given to all of us that that the body and the soul are two separate entities, and one takes place in finite, and the other takes place in out, uh, in the infinite or outside space and time. Human body is uh, is only that; it's just a body. It has. Um, it has obviously its major limbs and organs, but it also has the has its brain, which is the most advanced part of the human body. is the is the nervous system and the cerebral cortex, the neurons that are right now translating my English to you. But you are not it. It translates to you, and the you that is you is the soul. So the actual perspective, your point of reference, the actual consciousness that is listening to me right now is your soul. That is the soul. So when someone asks me, Rabbi, how do I know if, that I have a soul? So I say to them, who is the I in your question? How do I know that I have a soul? Who is that I? Your soul. And that is the soul. So your actual I, or point of reference, is just your soul. That point of reference it does not show up in any type of brain scan. It doesn't show up in any type of uh, MRI. You would never see your your actual soul. I'm sorry, your your actual self there. Rather, all you get there is microscopic neurons, billions of them that are all connected to each other, and they are basically there to just decipher data, matching current stimulus with every kind of experience you've had in the past. That's all it does is match now with the past. And by matching it with the past to give you a somewhat of a picture of what's happening in the present. And, but you are, you are the soul that it relates to. Now the soul itself, your soul, has five levels to it. And each of those five levels has levels. So it has five multi-level levels. And the part of your soul that is your consciousness, is the thinnest membrane of the whole thing. So meaning it has this level, of five levels. So it's got this level, that level, this level, that level, this level. And when you get to this level, it goes down and down and down and down. And you could say like the little white strip of nail on my fingernail is the very bottom of the, the fifth level of the soul. And that's the part that interfaces with your neurons, which your neurons are reporting to. But everything from the pink part of my nail, or after the white part where it goes pink, and all the way up this whole area, which is called the nefesh, and all the way up the ruach, and all the way up the neshama, and all the way up the chai, and all the way up the yechida, up all those levels of soul, you're already dead. Meaning you're 99.9% dead already. No offense. I mean, you look marvelous, but you're mostly dead. <laughs> You look marvelous, but you're mostly dead. <laughs> and the so that part of you, which is which is already in the soul world, is the vast majority of you. I mean, the vast 
Hey, gentlemen. You want to sit at the uh, headquarters of the of the uh, video? Uh... That's what we came here to do. Yeah, thank you so much. So we're talking about the afterlife today, and what we got to is, I'm sure what you've heard me say before, is you're only mostly dead. Yeah. yeah. That you're mostly dead. Yeah. The, right, the pinky, excellent. Do you see how you touched his pinky? So that little membrane is... is now, there's something interesting about the fact that you're, the part of you that is your conscious mind, which is this tiny, thin membrane, like a little white on the edge of my pinky nail, that's the part of you that is the bottom of the nephesh that the cerebral cortex re reports to. So, it does consume you, though. First of all, it gets consumed, and it consumes you. What does it get consumed by? It gets consumed by the body. For example, if I stomped on your big toe right now, if I just went like, onto your big toe. So your big toe would be like, and you'd be like, ah, you're jumping around on your, on your, you know, jumping around over this. But what would have happened then is your whole being would have contracted around your toe. So in a way, while your toe's throbbing, you've, you are your toe. And isn't it true, whenever we have an ailment, we get consumed by that ailment? The body, when the body's not in balance, we get consumed by it. This is one of the reasons why spiritual people are in good shape. And I know a lot of people are very committed to prayer and Torah and mitzvahs, but they're not very spiritual people. And, and, and they're not in good shape either. But spiritual people are in good shape. Why? Because the better shape you're in, the quieter the body, the louder the soul. The worse shape you're in, the louder the body, the quieter the soul. Meaning if your body's complaining... So that's taking up real estate of your conscious mind. Let's say that again. If your body's complaining, so it's taking up the real estate of your consciousness. As opposed to having spiritual thoughts, you're having body thoughts. Either around tiredness, weight, immune system, pains, like physical pains, back, stomach, head, neck, shoulders, knees. These are all pains that can, that can eclipse they can eclipse the soul's voice. And, and for that reason, again, you'll notice, not in the Jewish world so much, but you'll notice, at least in the Gentile world, that spiritual people, their bodies are usually in tip-top shape. And certainly me, as a, just in my own personal life, I, I certainly, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, aspire. I, I'm, I'm very, I have high aspirations on the health spectrum aspirations and I'm very disciplined on these on these subjects because I don't want I do not want to hear my body while I'm alive I, mean, I want my body is nothing more than a vehicle and just like a computer that has no viruses is going to run better so too your soul is going to feel more comfortable in a body that's working well and so it's kind of the opposite of the message you get if you're raised in the black attitude Jewish world so they'll actually they send out the Hanukkah comic books, you know, for kids to read during Hanukkah. So it'll show, it'll show the, the Greeks, it'll just be a modern version Greek, who's on his way to the gym, and, whereas the, the, Zion, the, the Zioni, the Zionist, the, uh, I guess that's not the right word for this context, but the, uh, yeah. the Ben Torah, the Torah the, person, is on his way to the study hall while the, while the, the Greek is heading to the gym. That's the way they depict it, literally, in our children's books. And so they, meaning it, this, this dysfunctional relationship to the body 
like all dysfunction, human beings tend to create a whole kind of a narrative around it that works for them. Human beings love to create narratives that work for their dysfunction. And this is a very dysfunctional thing. Because spiritual people should be in the best of physical shape, that's it. For sure the body should be as quiet as possible for a spiritual person. And that's going to require uh, effort. Now, um, anyway, so, so that is the soul. And, the, and so what I was saying, what, that you're mostly dead, is that the majority of your soul's faculties are, are in a completely spiritual realm reserved for the deceased. The majority of your, of your spiritual faculties are in a realm that is reserved for the deceased. And it's only this tiny little space that's called the, the, um, the bottom of the nephesh, which is the bottom of the pinkiest, like the bottom of the nephesh. Now, as I said before, it's, it, can, it gets consumed and can consume. It gets consumed in that it loses its identity very quickly in the body. Like how many people, you know, I just walked in. I walked here. I almost never walked here. You know, I think I shocked people when I was walking through the Jewish quarter. People were like, we didn't know you walk. <laughs> and I, I ride a bike everywhere. So a lot of, that's the famous comment of the storekeepers in the Jewish quarter is, I didn't know you walked. And the, and the, so, but when I was walking in, I was passing a lot of fashion places. You know, I had to go from around the Shuk, Machani Yehuda, all the way to the old city. And you can see just by the way the retail world is out there that they're banking on everyone being consumed by the body. Clear? That the soul is getting eclipsed by the body. And the body's got its own voice, that's for sure. And it's, it can eclipse the soul's voice. And that's really our test here regarding our afterlife in that, in that our soul identification in how we use our mind, that, the, that we are not allowing our body to eclipse the soul, that we have developed you know, powerful muscles and disciplined thinking to make sure that we think in a spiritual way. And that's what yeshivas are for, and that's what Torah studies for. That's what mitzvahs are for, and that's what synagogue is for, and that's what Shabbos is for, and that's what tefillin is for, and that's what tzedakah is for, and that's what brismila is for, and that's what every, and that's what tzitzit are for. Every single commandment is really there to help you be properly identified with the truth, and meaning the truth that the soul is is the real place to be hanging out, and to be disciplining yourself to not allow your soul to be eclipsed by the body and its, and its needs, which is usually ego needs, to be considered a big somebody. You know, so, so every store I passed was either fashion or it was uh, food, but, but places were trying to be chic, so it'd be nice to be seen there. And, uh, and then it was, uh, and then the third was, uh, it was banks, like where to put your money or change your money. To pay for it all, and so, ATMs, yeah. But everything was like fashion, food, and money, basically, and and so, and so that's the way the world was basically set up out there. And of course, I passed every restaurant and met my lunch uh, meeting at a place called Village Green, which is a a vegetarian restaurant that's food is the most assimilable to the human body. 
of all, of all the restaurants. It's on Yul, Yul Solomon Street. What? Two of them. There's one that's like on next big alley, like serving. Oh, they moved that one. No, it's got, they, they took off. They just moved. Yeah, they just moved to Yol Solomon. It's beautiful. Oh, so there's beautiful. Two on Yol Solomon? No, you can get in on both sides. There's an entry on both sides. Where's Yol Solomon? Yol Solomon's the bottom of Ben Yehuda. You know, when you get to the bottom of Ben Yehuda, you can turn right at the bottom. Instead of go to the train tracks, you can turn right. Keycard Sion, you can turn right there. It's Yol Solomon. <laughs> Famous old street. Um, all built by rabbis uh, 200 years ago. Um, hence, become a place to party. Um, no, but it makes sense because it says in the times of Mashiach, it says in the last chapter of the uh, Meseches Sota, uh, eighth chapter, I think, that, it, that, it, um, that in the end of days, places of worship will become a... Uh, will become a... Um, places of hangout, meaning a place of vice. That places of worship will become places of vice. So, like the holiest people in the world built that area, and and many of those places were places of worship because the Jewish home, like my home, is a place. My home where I live now is a place of worship. Some of the highest service around happens at my table, and uh, but today a lot of those places have gone in and out of being used as dance clubs and all kinds of other, you know, seedy behaviors happening in these places. And they were built literally by rabbis. I don't mean like Arab labor. I mean like Yemenites with long payas who were kind of the main laborers right then. They, these holy guys were the ones building Jerusalem. They built My house also built by Yemenite labor. Of the, you know, full payas and, you know, with turbans and, and like super holy guys who probably were reviewing all of Torah by heart while building the while building our houses. Now, um, anyway, so it gets consumed, and it consumes. What I mean, and it consumes, it gets consumed by the body voice, and it consumes in that it is not humble. It's not humble. It likes to consume. It consumes attention. It consumes all kinds of things. The the, when the when the soul gets consumed by the by the body voice, it starts to consume. And but w- let me give you an analogy. Of what I mean? Imagine like the whole bed of the Atlantic Ocean. Atlantic Ocean is a big ocean, and it goes very very deep, thousands of meters deep. And um, I want you to imagine like in the whole bed of the Atlantic Ocean. You know, this is. This is the whole bed of the Atlantic Ocean. That there's one molecule of H2O right there. One molecule right in the middle. Who that one molecule in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean has declared independence from the Atlantic Ocean. It is it is it's it's just finished with the Atlantic Ocean. Okay? It has gone on uh, what is it called when a a uh, when a no, like uh, p- people want to... Secede? No, yeah, secede. Oh, secede. Secede. Like sometimes an area wants to secede from the country they're in. There are, there are several places like Texas. 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 No. No. Quebec wanted to secede. Still wants to be its own country. No, but there's countries that have succeeded. There's like Amish places. Yeah, they've succeeded. You guys are thinking, yeah, you're thinking too much about U.S., but uh, U.S. doesn't have a lot of tolerance for secession, but... But uh, Europe has a, uh, in, uh, where's the place, Amsterdam, no, no, Copenhagen, where's Copenhagen? No, 
Yeah, Copenhagen has a has a little island called Christiania, where like hippies seceded from uh, from uh, Denmark. Seriously, I was there. I, mean, I was hanging around in, in Christiania. There's no Christians there, but it was it just happened to be called Christiania from God knows when. And it's like a hippie system. You're not allowed motor vehicles. It's all bicycles and stuff. Yeah, it's kind of a cool place. Come and visit me when you're out in Europe the next time. Okay, you ever been to Christiania in Copenhagen? Huh? Yeah. You, ever, you ever been there? Christiania? Uh, no, no. No, no, no. It's a good place to score weed, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> score weed. So. I like this class. I like it better here. You like it better here? Yeah. What to score weed? The, the best part of the presentation. Have you uh, something to smell with you? Oh, I didn't bring smells. Oh. No, I'm sorry. It's sage, not weed. Yeah, it was sage. But maybe tomorrow you bring something. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. What, when I... No, we burn incense here. It's not, It's only sage. For video purposes. Oh, my God. Now... Um, anyway, you can understand the ridiculousness of a molecule of water seceding from the Atlantic Ocean. That's you thinking that you are separate from cre creation, both the physical creation, the metaphysical creation, the, from God, like any sense of separation that you have ever had in your life, that you're somehow separate then the creation around you is like the molecule of ocean seceding from the Atlantic Ocean. That little H2O molecule. It's a nice analogy that gives you a sense of how big it really is. And for that reason, there, the, we, can, uh, we don't have to worry whatsoever about death because what you need to worry about is life. <laughs> because if you have an ego aspect of you that actually feels separate, from, from the reality that you're not, is that's the part you got to worry about. Death you don't have to worry about. Death is just, the, will be the most natural thing that ever happened. Um, there is one issue with death, though, and that is that, uh, that when the soul doesn't leave the body so quickly. It kind of takes its time, depending on the person. But uh, the more you're... Two, two things happen to the person who's overly consumed by the body, meaning many people... I, I've had relatives in America you know, Jews, which is embarrassing to say, but I've had relatives in America who actually thought they were, their physical body was all they were. And the more you think your physical body is all you are, which of course you have to be someone who never thought a day in your life beyond what I guess was spoon-fed, because all it takes is a little bit of contemplation to get to the reality that I cannot be my body. You know, it's like... Uh, It's like uh, Eckhart Tolle, the famous spiritual teacher, like when he was, he was following, he was on his way to the university where he was a prof uh, professor. He was deeply depressed, like he was basically going to kill himself like within the next 24 hours. He was gone. But when he was on his way to work that day, he was following someone who was speaking to herself, meaning she was on the train with him. And he was just entertained watching a woman speak to herself out loud. And he... Uh, followed her. She happened to be going the same direction, so he kept following her all the way to the university. And when he finally went into the building that he teaches in, he went to the bathroom. And on his way out of the bathroom, he goes to wash his hands, and he's staring into the mirror, and he realized he's talking to himself. 
He's looking in the mirror, completely puzzled by the fact that he's talking to himself. And here he is making fun of this lady who he followed into the university who was talking to herself. And he's doing the same thing. He's not moving his lips. She was moving her lips in vocal cords. She was sounding out loud. He, on the other hand, was, was you know, he, had, he wasn't, it wasn't out loud. But he was talking to himself. So then he realized, wait a second. I'm also talking to myself. Who is this? What is this voice? that's talking. And then he realized that that voice that was talking was not him. It was just kind of his brain having a lot of gas, I guess. And, and his, his brain's just kind of, you know, saying stuff, talking away. And then there's him that was conscious of the words being said. Because if you're conscious of your brain's thoughts, that means you're not your brain. You understand? If you're conscious of your brain's thoughts, you can't be the brain. You're be, you're the one listening to it, to your brain's thoughts. And she's starting to get it. You, just, you got it? Yeah, yes. so that's what he got. And it changed his life forever, and it's going to change yours too. Anyone who gets this has changed forever. That the content of your thinking... The only way you could hear the content of your thinking is if there's a you that's separate than the content. And then he, he was still staring in the mirror and then he was freaking out that that content was going to kill him. He had a murderer in his head. Because <laughs> the content was going to take his life. And then he realized, whoa, that content, because the content was very depressed. He's, you know, he was, he's obviously a smart guy. He's not a dumb guy, so the content was obviously upset about life. And but meanwhile, he's not the content. So why does he have to be upset about life just because his, con- just because the content maker, you know, this voice blabbing away, is upset? He doesn't have to be upset. And so that changed the rest of his life. And today, he's one of the top spiritual teachers in the world if not the top spiritual teacher in the world. And I, I only aspire to, uh, to reach as many people as, as he has in, in helping, uh, helping humanity. His name's Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle. And I would love to spend like two months with him because he needs a really, really big lesson in Judaism. <laughs> he doesn't know his toe from his elbow. In Judaism, and a guy that influential should at least have read Tanakh. You know, like he should have at least gotten like, and let him spend like five hours of YouTube or something with some like basic Jewish thought. He would realize how much we all have in common with his teachings, but he would stop quoting all the Meshuganas that he's always quoting because he doesn't know any Judaism, so he's always quoting, you know, everyone else. Meanwhile, we he had he. Any, any understanding of, of Torah, he would just be, he would probably convert, but he'd probably also, you know, just, just quote the actual wisdom of Judaism rather than going to these other quotes. Stefan, what's up? Um, you're talking about afterlife. Thank you. Thank you for the, uh, No, that's what's more critical. So, uh, <laughs> this, uh, this, he had a killer in himself, uh, a killer, but no murder. Because murder is like bad for, but uh, he just started the afterlife. And I think maybe it was even a good idea because it gets better. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, it, it maybe, but, but there is a special world for people who kill themselves called Kafakela which is parallel to our world, is very close. All the worlds are parallel to ours, 
meaning there's parallel worlds, but they go quite high. And there's the lowest ones look like our world, only we can't see the people in it. Sometimes I wonder if there's people in our classroom right now who... I've noticed... No, the reason I say this is because I, I do have... I have a tendency to attract healthy people, but I also tend to attract people who are kind of half with a foot in the other world. They're already like halfway out of here and within years are gone. You know, even young people who you'd think like should be living a long life. I, I can smell death on a student from a mile away. And, uh, you know, certain people are just... Was it even me? Yeah, but is this... What? I attract certain types of students that are... that are. What? No, it's because I'm also like very much halfway out. So, so I attract. I'm not saying. Meaning, I'm, he's got to live 120 years, but I, I'm not. I'm not that here. I'm only mostly here. We spoke about being mostly dead. I'm only mostly dead. Um, as far as physically, I think I'm doing pretty well. Please God, I'll I'll be around a long time. I want to at least you know marry off my kids and. And at least go on some long vacation with my wife <laughs> when we've done that. <laughs> I'm definitely taking a year sabbatical when Yisrael Noach gets married. You know, that's, I'm taking off for a year. You know, I don't know where I'm going to go, but you know, maybe I'll just move into the house next door. <laughs> well, I really like it here, so going away for a year would be painful. Anyway... I also love teaching, so I'd really go crazy. You know what? Maybe I'll stay. So, <laughs> <laughs> Stefan, you understand? In my real opinion, this was a very good idea to kill himself. He just <laughs> kid, couldn't finish it because he gets afraid, afraid of death. So he cannot... This guy is not afraid yeah. of death. He's not afraid of death. Listen, the, uh, anyway, so but, but people who kill themselves get to a parallel realm that is right next to our realm. It's called the Kafa Kela. And it's better or worse? It's much worse. Okay, then, then, then. It's much worse. They're stuck here. See, when you die, you're not supposed to still be here. It, uh, it looks the same as here. In fact, they, all of us would be, are in the room of, in the Kafakela, they have an exact experience of this room. So there's people that can kill themselves that are in the same age class as we are right For now. sure. They and that's what I'm saying is I feel it's likely, given that it's me teaching, just because I attract these types. And the, uh, you know where they really like to go, and also my class are usually a little more crowded, but, but what they really like is crowds. They like crowds. They like to be around people. So if you feel drawn to Machane Yehuda, every like three or four people are drawn to Machane Yehuda. You know every what I mean? Every three to four people are suicidal? No, no. Every three to four people are drawn to the Machane Yehuda. They just feel something special over there. So what is, for some people, I think the specialness you're feeling is all the souls there. That want to be, special? they want to be around people. What? Why is what special? special? Why is what special? Uh, go where all the dead people are. Oh, souls. You know, souls. Souls are extremely special. Think how special all the souls are in this room, for example. Do they ever get what happens if someone if someone regrets it the second before they come out? So the rabbis say that if they regret it before while they're, they're falling ab- down, while they're falling or before. Before the everything, then the regret is enough to say that they're not liable of the death penalty. But like but there's no rabbi who can say if they get stuck in the kafka killer. When the rabbis say maybe they regretted it, is more that the family can say kaddish and they can sit shiva because the because you're not supposed to say kaddish or sit shiva for suicides. Well, but, yeah, but we say maybe you regretted it. 
so they can sit shiva because the morning's process important. I don't want a class on suicide. There's a class on afterlife. Not anymore. The main thing is don't kill yourself. Wait, do they ever get out? What? Do they ever get out? Of a cough killer? You guys won't stop. You started. There's not a class in the cafeteria. So the, the, the answer. There's, there's um, can you bring me some water? There's two ways out of the cuff. I got cups. There's two ways out of the cafeteria. One way out of the cafeteria is, there are two ways I've learned about it. I don't know if there's more. So one way out of the cafeteria is possession, is to, when someone's unconscious, you can possess them. And then, uh, Meaning they, they, they cleave onto another soul, on the soul. So when that person comes back to consciousness, they're there. Um, yeah, they can also, they're there, yeah. And, and when they die, they can go out on their back. Like they can ride off on their, on their back out of the Kafakela. And um, so there's a way back in our realm, because we're so close to it, they can just jump into our realm off an unconscious body. This is why if anyone's ever unconscious, even dead, Till burial, we always guard the body. The uh, soul can't jump out of the kafkila into a body as long as there's another living Jew in the room. That's why there's always and why somebody we want the... guarding the body. Yeah, they're guard. The only reason we guard dead bodies. You guys know we guard dead bodies. Yeah, yeah. yeah we guard dead bodies. And the reason we guard dead bodies is only for this. What's the problem? We don't it's want just... them to go out. <laughs> it's that's amazing. I love when someone asks that. You're so sweet. You're probably a big balas chesed. She's the sweetest, the sweetest woman. Yeah, you know who this is? Yeah, she's like, don't we want to help them? I mean, you ask, you tell me, like, when you get to the next world, the one soul you'll probably want with you is your husband's, which will be. But do you want, do you want some random, some random dude? <laughs> no, no, but... You want some random dude connected to your soul forever? Why like, oh, forever? Yeah, 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 they're with you. With you. How do you Their soul is kind of merging with yours and heading out with you. So, so God doesn't have mercy on them? What if they were really depressed? I hate to say this, but God's compassion is in this world. <laughs> the spiritual world has like way stricter rules than this place. This place is like, this place is like, you know, you, you can always do one of these, you know. Over there, it's like a little late for that, you know. Now, by the way, we don't, we don't ever do something saying I'll do this later, because if anyone sins with in the mindset they'll do tshuva later, they they it says the tshuva doesn't work. Did you know that? That our sages teach us, these great Kabbalists teach us, that you can always clean off anything you did unless you did it with the intention to clean it off. I Meaning, you really have to be insane when you do something wrong. Why? How does God clean off sin? The way God cleans off sin is that anyone who's sinning, meaning anyone who would go against their maker, must be insane. They've got to be insane. So the insanity of it means you get to plead insanity and you get to come out of the, whatever, whatever funk it put you in. You get to come out off of the plea of, of insanity. Off the plea of insanity. But anyone who says, I'm going to sin because later I'll do teshuva, for sinning means they're totally sane. It's how it works in and they've court. just lost their ability to get out on insanity. It's how it works in court, too. If you, if you, can, you, have, to ple- you have to prove that you're insane, but if you show that you're not insane and that you did something insane anyways... You get, you're busted. You get the, yeah. 
get what I mean? You can't, you can't plead insanity when you were so, you were totally sane. You're like, I really want to do this. I'll do tshuva later, because I shouldn't be doing this. That means you're sane, and you're supposed to not do it. And so, therefore, it's really important to, to not make the mistake of thinking you're going to do tshuva on a sin that, that is, uh, that, you know, you're cognizant of. But you'll notice that most people really, when they do something wrong, they're almost always out of their mind. You know, they're almost always out of their mind. If you ever speak to someone, once in a while a guy has just enough seichel to call me before he sins. <laughs> I always know we're going to win. I have no doubt. We will get him not to do it. I'm almost, I'm, I mean, it's almost never happened that the guy did it anyway. Why? Because he had that touch of sanity to call first. He called, we spoke. But I have pure confidence in that conversation that we will get him over the hump for this. But the worst is worst is missed calls. <laughs> you know, there's a few people on my caller list that only call when they're about to do something really stupid. And, the, uh, and once in a while, it's in red on my iPhone saying, you know, missed call. I'm like, duh. I don't know who was first. I think she was first. The lady. Go ahead, lady. What do you want? What do you want, lady? Um, okay, so when a person, okay, so let's say this person like piggybacks on somebody else's soul when they die. So once they get to the next world, do they go to hell? I, I think they just ride with with the person. So and they get whatever the person gets. I think they just ride with them. I don't know what they get. So, like, let's say person A jumps into person B. Anyway, the oh wait, the other way out. I said there are two ways out that I know about. The other way out is uh, there are tzaddikim that can find them and and bust them out. There are holy people who can see them. I don't think there are any left in our generation, but throughout history there were holy people who knew how to bust them out. What? I don't know that story. But the anyway there there was but there are times where holy people used to set up a stand in the shook where they would sell things, but they didn't seem like they were very interested in selling anything. They were just there, always watching the people. And then every once in a while, you'd see him walking down the shuk, like the re- his holy rebbe would leave his stand where he was in the shuk, and then you'd see him walking down the shuk with all the people, his arm around someone, but there's no one there. And then the guy who's been probably there for two, three, the guy who's been in the kafakela now for like two, three hundred years, for the first time, someone's got his arm around him. I mean, at first you're going crazy. At first you're going crazy trying to get everyone's attention, but after a while you start to realize you're not there. I mean, you're there, but you're not there. Oh, at the beginning of the Kaf and Kayla, you think you're here. You don't realize you're not here. But after enough people ignoring you, you're like, you realize you're chopped liver. And so you're like permanently chopped liver. And then, but then he realizes there's someone with his arm around him for the first time in 300 years. And he looks over, like spooked by it, and he sees this rabbit next to him. And the Rebbe looks at him and says, he has a way of doing this, but he, said, he says to him, you're dead, like that. And when he says to the man, he says, you're dead, like that, the soul of that person will get popped out of the Kafa Kelen into to the soul world. But there's no Rebbe's like that anymore. So if my wife needs Maybe there are. Already it's hard to believe there's any Rebbe. <laughs> What's that? My wife ignores me all the time. There's no food finished. When you can see me? I see you, yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So, Th- that's the end of the cup. Yeah. What? 
So irregardless if it's Kafakewa or someone just passes away, how does that affect when uh, your ancestors are, I mean your descendants are supposed to be able to do mitzvot and good deeds and prayer and it's supposed to raise the soul of you, the deceased. So how, how would that work? Does that still happen? For people in Kafka? Yeah. Or, it doesn't do much for someone. Because people in Kafka don't have much. You're welcome. People in Kafka. But for, I mean, to go back to the idea of... Go Let's back go back to, to regular afterlife. Right, right. Let's go back to regular things. So, and, uh, and for the souls of people who are... Um, that for the souls of the deceased, when they leave people behind who are doing mitzvahs and, and stuff, preferably in their name, but even not... If they're direct descendants, they don't even really have to do it in their name so much, because they uh, because they they're direct descendants, and they, therefore their whole existence is thanks to the people that are deceased, and and so the, those mitzvahs go really far, really far, and uh, and especially the first year after someone passes away. Um, so let me go through those stages. So some people are extremely attached to the body. There's there's a there, minutes till my next class um, some when, when someone uh, passes away if you live your life like it's just a soul to begin with and this body is just a vehicle so the separation of soul and body goes smoothly whereas someone who lives attached to the body and think this body is who they are they've identified with the body so then the separation of soul and body don't go so well for most people, the soul hangs around the body till burial. It's really important that burials, uh, it's, it's, that burial, a couple of things, important not to embalm people, also not to dress them up or make them up or anything, like the least, uh, all you want to pay attention to is the clean, cleaning of the body. The body should come very clean, and that's part of Jewish burials, washing the body thoroughly. And, they, uh, and, then, uh, and then the... And all of this kind of gets the, gets the soul separated and disconnected from the body, which is, you want that to be quicker, sooner than later. Um, it helps in Israel that there's no coffin, that's also really good. Whereas the uh, America, where in traditional burial they have coffins, uh, whereas the very observant have kind of fake coffins, uh, meaning there's a law, you have to use a coffin, which, why that should be a law, I have no idea, but they have that law. But they, most of the coffins in the, in the observant community have a, they have a well, no, they have a false trap, bottom. trap, false uh, bottom. Right. Yeah, there's not. What do they do with that? What? What do they do with the false bottom? No, they slide. Either they slide something out right when they get him in the ground, then they slide it out so he's really in the earth. You're not allowed to really bury a person in a box. They have Why to be not? buried in the earth. Why? Bugs won't come and like eat their body. The quicker, the quicker they get, the quicker they decompose, the better. Because there are people who really stick around the body quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, imagine the soul of a person who, like, really stays near the body. So that now they're getting buried, and now they're, like, screaming, stop burying me, can't you see I'm alive? You know? But meanwhile, they're being buried. And so they're, like, screaming at the top of their lungs, I'm not dead, I'm not dead, why are you burying me? And, and, and of course, the more burial it is the burial, and less boxy, the better. 
There's in the box, they can probably still try to pretend like they're going to get out of there. But uh, whereas the, if they're in the earth, it's like, it's kind of earthy. It get, you get the message quick. So, but there are none of us, obviously, anyone listening to this class or anyone watching this is, if you're already watching this, unless you got here on like one of those totally random clicks, but as long as you're watching this, you're probably already of the people that this is of no concern. Meaning when you, when you pass away, your soul will separate, the body will be still, and you'll just be like, okay, here we go. And, and you start the journey. And the journey, hopefully you'll start your journey out of the world even before the burial. But, uh, but most people no. probably won't do that. It's only tzaddikim leave like a kiss. You know, they leave like, like just, they, once they pass away, the body's already no longer connected at all. Whereas the, most people, even spiritual people, will at least hover near the body for a while. And, um, like a week, no? Not, uh, usually till burial. Usually till the actual burial. The burial's enough. Yeah, you don't want to be hanging around the body after the burial. <laughs> That's no fun. That's, <laughs> no, no, most of them will go. Everyone goes somewhere between the death and a big tzaddik will go then all the way to the burial. The funeral's probably really cool, though. Yeah, funeral's probably some fun. Um, and the... And the... That's why you also want to be really careful if you're at a funeral and they ask you to speak. To not exaggerate anything, because everything being said is being said upstairs, and so you don't want to be exaggerating. You want to give it very straight to the point of what they actually did, and you don't even have to say what they did. What can you exaggerate? I know many great sadikim who died right before sundown, and meaning they died in, around noon, and by the time they could wash the body and get the funeral together, they were buried at sundown. But but there's a, there's a, it's considered even better to be buried before sundown. So, to be like literally buried the day you died, because once it's sundown, it's the next, next day. day. Mm-hmm. So to be buried the day you died is better. And, the, and so they'll request from their family no eulogy at all. Wow. And these are like super holy people. So they can get in the ground, they want to be in the ground before sundown. So, and we always, another thing in Judaism, we always honor the dead over the living. So... So you never keep a body over just so, you know, aunt so-and-so can make it back from, you know, the Canary Islands or whatever. You, you, don't, you, don't, uh, you don't make more honor at a burial. If it, there's nothing wrong with lots of honor at a burial, just not at the expense of the deceased. The person who's deceased needs to get, needs to get buried quickly. So in Jerusalem, the, the custom is, and they're extremely strict about it, is that the body can't you can't keep the body overnight. No overnight bodies. Now, in rare circumstances where the kid had absolutely no one in Israel, it was only them here, and the, uh, it's only them, whoa, I gotta go. It's only them, and they don't even have any family in Israel, so the family would be like, don't bury the body, you know, like, let us get there. And then they'll keep it overnight, but anyone else, forget about it. Like, you know how many people I know that never, didn't get to their immediate family's burials? I know if, children who weren't at their father's burial were like the most honoring children ever but they were fundraising for some big tour institution outside of Israel the father died they missed the burial because you don't keep the body overnight here and we always honor the body over the over the burial so what about when you're shipping a body to Israel to be buried like that's a lot of wasting of time of the body not being buried it's better to be buried in Israel even if it takes a few days 
Yeah, just everyone should know that you have to pay pay uh, tax for the body when you get here. And it's a couple thousand dollars. How much is it to buy here? <laughs> the last body I picked up was two thousand dollars, and that was years ago. So it's probably more like four by now. Still worth it. I asked the rabbi. I asked the rabbi because I was shocked that we had to pay tax. I'm like, you can walk me to my next class. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.